0: Welcome to another edition of the Legacy of Queens for Sunday, March 13th, 2022. It's episode 40. We have finally hit 40 episodes in our two-year season run. And we're happy that you're with us here for tonight because, boy, we have a surprise for you. It's not often we come across one of those sports athletes that graces us with his presence. But not only that, he's also... A legacy of Queens native. Yeah, we look at him tonight. Him, meaning we had one time Kenny Anderson from the New Jersey Nets who was a Queens native. Well, this guy nicknamed Johnny Mac, a former professional American tennis player. He was known for his shot making and volley, volleying skills in addition to confrontational on-court behavior that frequently landed him in trouble with umpires and tennis authorities. He attained the world number one ranking in both singles and doubles, finished his career with 77 singles and 78 doubles titles. This remains the highest men's combined total of the Open era. He thus remains the only male player to win more than 70 titles in both the men's singles and the men's doubles categories. He won seven Grand Slam single titles, four of the U.S. Open and three at Wimbledon, nine Grand Slam men's doubles titles, five at Wimbledon and four at the U.S. Open, one Grand Slam mixed doubles title at the French, his singles matches record is 82-3 in and and 1984 remains the best single season win rate of the Open Era. He also excelled at the year-end tournaments, winning eight singles and seven doubles titles, both of which are records. Three of his winning singles year-end championships were at the Masters Grand Prix, the ATP year-end event, and five were at the World Championship Tennis Finals, an event which ended in 1989. And since 2000, there has only been one year-end men's singles event, the ATP Finals, the new name of the Masters Grand Prix. This player we were going, we are talking about tonight was named the AT Player of the Year and the ITF World Champion three times each in 81, 83, and 84. He contributed to five Davis Cup titles for the U.S., later was a team captain... He has stayed active in retirement, often competing in senior events at the ATP Championships Tour, (coughs) and he has also worked as a television commentator during majors events. Who are we talking about? John Patrick McEnroe Jr., nicknamed Johnny Mac. He's the Legacy of Queens, episode 40 tonight. We talk about him right here, right now. I am Jason Ecanio, your host of The Legacy of Queens for Sunday, March 13, 2022. Episode 40 is right now starting. Good evening to all of you and welcome to this edition where we're going to be talking about John Patrick McEnroe Jr., Johnny Mac. McEnroe was born in Wiesbaden, West Germany. to American parents, John Patrick McEnroe and his wife Kay, Treshman. His father, the son of Irish immigrants, was at the time stationed with the United States Air Force, famously revealing during a press conference in Belgium that his son John was made in Belgium, but born in Germany. McEnroe's Irish paternal grandfather was from Bailey James Duff in County Haven, and his grandmother was from County Westmeath. When he was about nine months old, the family moved to the Stewart Air Force Base in Newburgh, New York, when his father was transferred back to the U.S. And after leaving the Air Force, McEnroe's father worked daytime as an advertising agent while attending Fordham Law School by night. Then in 61, the family moved to the Flushing neighborhood of the Borough of Queens in New York City, and then to Douglaston, also in Queens, in 1963. John has two younger brothers, Mark, born in 64, and former professional tennis player Patrick, born in 66. Growing up in Douglaston, McEnroe started playing tennis at the nearby Douglaston club when he was eight. At nine, his parents enrolled him in the Eastern Lawn Tennis Association, and he soon started playing regional tournaments. He then began competing in national juniors tournaments, And at 12, when he was ranked 7th in his age group, he joined the Port Washington Tennis Academy on Long Island, New York. McEnroe attended Trinity School in Manhattan, graduating in 1977. As an 18-year-old amateur in 77, McEnroe won the mixed doubles at the French Open with Mary Carrillo. And then made it through the qualifying tournament at Wimbledon and into the main draw, where he lost in the semifinals to Jimmy Connors in four sets. It was the best performance by a male qualifier at any Grand Slam tournament and a record performance by an amateur in the Open era. After Wimbledon in 77, Wimbledon McEnroe was recruited by coach Dick Gould and entered Stanford University where in 1978 he led the Stanford team to an NCAA championship and also won the NCAA singles title. Later in 78, he joined the ATP Tour and signed his first professional endorsement deal with Sergio Tacchini. He again advanced to the semifinals at a Grand Slam, this time the U.S. Open, losing to Connors. Following which, he proceeded to win five titles that year, including his first Masters Grand Prix, beating Arthur Ashe in straight sets, as well as Grand Prix events at Stockholm and Wembley. His late-season success allowed him to finish as the number four ranked player for the year. Then, in '79, he and his partner Peter Fleming won the Wimbledon doubles title, followed shortly by a win in the U.S. Open doubles. That same week, McEnroe won the men's singles U.S. Open title, his first Grand Slam singles title. He defeated his friend Vitas Gerulaitis in straight sets in the final to become the youngest male. Winner of the singles title at the U.S. Open since Pancho Gonzalez, who also won 20 of them in 1948. He also won the prestigious season-ending WCT finals, beating Bjorn Borg in four sets. McEnroe was 10 singles, he won 10, and 17 doubles titles that year for a total of 27, which marked an Open Era record, finishing at number 3 in the ATP year-end rankings. At Wimbledon, McEnroe reached the 1980 Wimbledon Men's Singles Final, his first final at Wimbledon, where he faced Bjorn Borg, who was gunning for his fifth consecutive Wimbledon title. At the start of the final, McEnroe was booed by the crowd as he entered center court following heated exchanges with officials during his semifinal victory over Jimmy Connors. In a fourth-set tiebreaker that lasted 20 minutes, McEnroe saved five match points and eventually won 18-16. McEnroe, however, could not break Borg's serve in the fifth set, which the Swede won 8-6. This match was called the Best Wimbledon Final by ESPN's countdown show, Who's Number One? McEnroe exacted revenge two months later, beating Bjorn Borg in the five-set final of the 1980 U.S. Open. He was a finalist at the season-ending WCT Finals and finished as the number 2-ranked player for the year behind Only Borg. Now, McEnroe remained controversial when he returned to Wimbledon in 1981. Following his first-round match against Tom Goldston, McEnroe was fined $1,500 and came close to being thrown out after he called umpire Ted James the pits of the world <laughs> and then swore at tournament referee Fred Hoyles. He also made famous the phrase, you cannot be serious, which years later became the title of McEnroe's autobiography by shouting it at the several umpires' calls during his matches. This behavior was in sharp contrast to that of Borg, who was painted by the press as an unflappable Iceman. Nevertheless, in matches played between the two, McEnroe never lost his temper. After the controversy and criticism from the British press, Ian Barnes of the Daily Express nicknamed him Superbrat, McEnroe again reached the Wimbledon men's singles final in 1981 against Borg. This time, he prevailed in four sets to end the Swedes' run of 41 consecutive match victories at the All-England Club. TV commentator Bud Collins quipped after the Independence Day battle, paraphrasing Yankee Doodle, stick a feather in his cap and call it macaroni. (laughs) The controversy, however, did not end there in response to McEnroe's on-court outbursts during the championships. The All-England Club did not accord McEnroe honorary club membership, an honor normally given to singles champions after their first victory. McEnroe responded by not attending the traditional champions' dinner that evening. The honor was eventually accorded to McEnroe after he won the championship again. Borg and McEnroe had their final confrontation in the final of the 1981 U.S. Open... McEnroe won in four sets, becoming the first male player since the 20s to win three consecutive U.S. Open singles titles. Borg never played another Grand Slam event. McEnroe also won his second WCT final, beating Johan Kreik in straight sets and finished the year as the number one ranked player. He was named the Associated Press Athlete of the Year, the second man's tennis player, even after Don Budge in the 1930s. McEnroe lost to Jimmy Connors in the 1982 Wimbledon final. McEnroe lost only one set to Johan Kreich going into the final. However, Connors won the fourth set tie break and the fifth set. He fell in the semifinals at the U.S. Open that year and was a finalist at the WCT finals. He was able to retain the ATP's number one ranking based on points at the end of the year, On the basis of having won significant events at Philadelphia, Wembley, and Tokyo, but due to Connors' victories at the two most important events of the year, Wimbledon and the U.S. Open, Connors was named the Player of the Year by the ATP and most other tennis authorities. In 1983, McEnroe reached his fourth consecutive Wimbledon final, dropping only one set throughout the tournament to Florin cigar and sweeping aside the unheralded New Zealander Chris Lewis in straight sets. The U.S. Open, he was defeated in the fourth round, his earliest exit since 1977. He played at the Australian Open for the first time, making it to the semifinals before being defeated in four sets by Mats Willender. He made the WCT final for the third time and beat Ivan Lendo, In an epic five-setter, he took the Masters Grand Prix title for the second time, again beating Lendl in straight sets. He also won major events at Philadelphia, Forest Hills, and Wembley, enabling him to capture the year-end number one ranking once again. Then in 84, that was his best season, as he compiled an 82-3 match record that remains the highest single-season win rate of the Open era. He won a career-high 13 singles tournaments, including Wimbledon and the U.S. Open, capturing the year-end number one ranking. He also played on the winning U.S. World Team Cup and runner-up Davis Cup teams. He began the year with a 42-match win streak, winning his first six events of the year and reaching his first French Open final, where his opponent was Ivan Lendl. McEnroe won the first two sets, but Lendl's adjustments of using more topspin lobs and cross-court backhand passing shots as well as McEnroe's fatigue and temperamental outbursts, resulted in a demoralizing five-set loss. In his autobiography, McEnroe described this as his most bitter defeat and implied that he's never quite gotten over it. He rebounded at Wimbledon, losing just one set en route to his third Wimbledon singles title. This included a straight set route over Jimmy Connors in the final. He then won his fourth U.S. Open title by defeating Lindell in straight sets in the final after defeating Connors in a five-set semifinal. He also won his fourth WTCT uh, final, defending, or defeating Connors in straight sets and took his third Masters Grand Prix, pre- <laughs> beating Lindell in straight sets. His combined record against the number two and three ranked players for the year, Jimmy Connors and Ivan Lendl, respectively, was 11-1, and one, including going undefeated versus Connors in five matches. The year did not end without controversy. While playing and winning the tournament in Stockholm, McEnroe had an on-court outburst that soon became notorious. After questioning a call made by the chair umpire, McEnroe demanded, answer my question. The question, jerk. McEnroe then slammed his racket into a juice cart beside the court in anger, and the stadium crowd booed him. He was suspended for three weeks, 21 days, for exceeding a $7,500 limit on fines that had been created because of his behavior. As a result, he was disqualified from competing in the following week's significant Wembley London Indoor Tournament, at which he was supposed to be the number one seed, with Connors and Lendl, the eventual winner, as the second and third seeds. During his suspension, he injured his left wrist in practice, causing him to withdraw from the Australian Open, the fourth major of the year. Then in 1985, having reached the semifinals at the French Open, McEnroe was beaten in straight sets by Kevin Curran in the quarterfinals of Wimbledon. He reached his last Grand Slam singles final at the U.S. Open, This time, he was beaten in straight sets by Lendl. He did not advance past the quarterfinals at the WCT Finals or the Masters Grand Prix. He did win major events at Philadelphia, which was his fourth straight, Canada second, and Stockholm second and fourth overall, and finished the year as the number two ranked player. By 86, the pressures of playing at the top had become too much for McEnroe to handle, and he took a six-month break from the tour. It was during this sabbatical that on August 1st, 1986, he married actress Tatum O'Neal, with whom he had already had a son, Kevin, in 1986. They had two more children, Sean and Emily, 87, 91, before divorcing in 1994. And when he returned to the tour later in 86, he won three ATP tournaments. But in 1987, he failed to win a title for the first time since turning pro. He took a seven-month break from the game following the U.S. Open, where he was suspended for two months and fined $17,500 for misconduct and verbal abuse. McEnroe became the top-ranked singles player in the world on March 3rd, 1980. He was the top-ranked player on 14 separate occasions between 1980 and '85 and finished the year ranked number one for four straight years from 81 through 84. He spent a total of 170 weeks at the top of the rankings. It has been written about McEnroe that he might have been the greatest doubles player of all time and possibly the greatest team player never to have played a team sport. He was ranked number one in doubles for 270 weeks. He formed a powerful partnership with Peter Fleming, with whom he won 57 men's doubles titles, including four at Wimbledon and three at the U.S. Open. Fleming was always very modest about his own contribution to the partnership. He once said the best doubles partner in the world is McEnroe and anybody. McEnroe won a fourth U.S. Open men's doubles title in 1989 with Mark Woodford and a fifth Wimbledon men's doubles title in 1992 with Michael Stitch. He also won the 1977 French Open mixed doubles title with childhood friend Mary Carillo. More than any other player in his era, McEnroe was responsible for reviving U.S. interest in the Davis Cup, which had been shunned by Jimmy Connors and other leading U.S. players and had not seen a top U.S. player regularly compete since Arthur Ashe. Now, Connors' refusal to play Davis Cup instead of lucrative exhibitions became a source of enmity between him and Ashe. Now, in 1978, McEnroe won two singles, Rubbers, in the final, as the U.S. captured the Cup for the first time since 72, beating Great Britain in the final. McEnroe continued to be a mainstay of U.S davis cup teams for the next 14 years and was part of the u.s winning teams in 78 79 81 82 and 1992 and he set numerous u.s david cup records including years played 12 30 ties 41 singles wins and total wins in singles and doubles 59 he played both singles and doubles in 13 series and he and peter fleming won 14 of 15 davis cup doubles matches together an epic performance was McEnroe's 6-hour, 22-minute victory over Mats Willander in the deciding rubber of the 3-2 and quarterfinal win over Sweden in 1982, played in St. Louis, Missouri. McEnroe won the match, at the time the longest in Davis Cup history, 9-7, 6-2, 15-17, 3-6, 8-6. McEnroe nearly broke that record in a 6-hour, 20-minute loss to Boris Becker five years later. Becker won their match, the second rubber in a 3-2 loss to West Germany in World Cup regulation play 4-6, 15-13, 8-10, 6-2, 6-2. McEnroe also helped the U.S. win the World Team Cup in 84 and 85 in both cases, defeating Czechoslovakia in the final. Well, McEnroe struggled to regain his form after his 1986 sabbatical. He lost three times in Grand Slam tournaments to Ivan Lendl, losing straight-set quarterfinals at both the 87 U.S. Open and the 89 Australian Open, and a long four-set match played over two days in the fourth round of the 88 French Open. Rumors of drug abuse had begun during his second sabbatical, McEnroe denied them at the time, but acknowledged that he had used cocaine during his career in a 2000 interview that implied that the use occurred during this period, although he denied that the drug affected his play. Nevertheless, McEnroe had multiple notable victories in the final years of his career. In the 88 French Open, McEnroe beat 16-year-old Michael Chang, 6-0, 6-3, 6-1 in the third round, Chang went on to win the title the next year, Then in 89, McEnroe won a record fifth title at the World Championship Tennis Finals, the championship tournament of the WCT Tour, which was being staged for the last time, defeating top-ranked Lendl in the semifinals. And at Wimbledon, he defeated Mats Willender in a four-set quarterfinal before losing to Stefan Edberg in the semifinal. He won the RCA Championships in Indianapolis, reached the final of the Canadian Open, where he lost to Lendl. He also won both of his singles, Rubbers, in the quarterfinal Davis Cup tie with Sweden. Controversy was never far from McEnroe. However, in his fourth round match against Mikel Pernfors at the 1990 Australian Open, McEnroe was ejected from the tournament for swearing at the umpire, supervisor, and referee. He was warned by the umpire for intimidating a lineswoman and then docked a point for smashing a racket. McEnroe was apparently unaware that a new code of conduct, which had been introduced just before the tournament, meant that a third code violation would not lead to the deduction of a game, but instead would result in immediate disqualification. Therefore, when McEnroe unleashed a volley of abuse at umpire Jerry Armstrong, he was defaulted, and he was also fined $6,500 for the incident's. Later that year, McEnroe reached the semifinals of the U.S. Open, losing to the eventual champion, Pete Sampras, in four sets. He also won the Davidoff Swiss Indoors in Basel, defeating Goran Ivanisivic in a five-set final. The last time McEnroe was ranked in the top ten was on October 22nd of 1990, where he was ranked ninth. His end-of-year singles ranking was 13th. Then in 91, he won the last edition of the Volvo Tennis Chicago Tournament, By defeating his brother Patrick in the final, he won both of his singles rubbers in the quarterfinal Davis Cup tie with Spain. And he reached the fourth round at Wimbledon, losing to Edberg, and the third round of the U.S. Open, losing to Chang, in all a five-set night match. His end-of-year singles ranking was number 28. 1992, McEnroe defeated third-ranked and defending champion Boris Becker in the third round of the Australian Open, 6-4, 6-3, 7-5, before a sellout crowd. McEnroe needed four hours, 42 minutes to defeat ninth-ranked Emilio Sanchez, 8-6 in the fifth set. He lost to Wayne Ferreira in the quarterfinals. At Wimbledon, he reached the semifinals where he lost straight sets to eventual champion Andre Agassi. McEnroe teamed with Michael Stitch to win the, his fifth Wimbledon men's doubles title in a record-length five-hour, one-minute final, which the pair won 5-7, 7-6, seven, seven, six, 3 6 7-6, 19-17. to 17. the end of the year, he teamed with Sampras to win the doubles rubber in the Davis Cup final, where the U.S. defeated Switzerland 3-1. McEnroe retired from the professional tour at the end of 1992. His, he ended his singles career ranked number 20, and he played in one tournament in 94 as a wild card at the Rotterdam Open, losing in his first round. This was his last singles match on the ATP Tour. After Steffi Graf won the French Open in 1999, McEnroe suggested to her that they play mixed doubles at Wimbledon. He and Graf reached the semifinals of the '99 Wimbledon mixed doubles, but withdrew at the stage, at that stage because Graf, who was the losing finalist to Lindsay Davenport, decided to focus on her singles draw. After retiring, McEnroe pursued his post-tour goal of becoming a working musician. He had learned to play guitar with the help of friends like Eddie Van Halen and Eric Clapton. During his divorce, he formed the Johnny Smythe Band with himself as lead singer and guitarist, began writing songs, and played small gigs in cities where he played with the senior tour. Although Lars Ultrich complimented his natural instinct for music, a bar owner where McEnroe's band played said that he couldn't sing to save his life. The band toured for two years, but McEnroe suddenly quit in 97, just before finishing his first album. And then in 97, McEnroe's wife, singer-songwriter Patty Smythe, told him, In future, only one of us will be working away from home on a music tour, and it ain't gonna be you. (laughs) McEnroe was inducted into the International Tennis Hall of Fame in 1999. He is now a sports commentator providing commentary for American television networks such as ESPN, CBS, NBC, and USA at the U.S. Open, the Australia Open, and various ATP tournaments, as well as at Wimbledon for the BBC in the U.K. McEnroe became the U.S. Davis Cup captain in September of '99. His team barely escaped defeat in their first two outings in 2000, beating Zimbabwe and the Czech Republic in tight 3-2 encounters. They were then defeated 5-0 by Spain in the semifinals. McEnroe resigned in November of 2000 after 14 months as captain, citing frustration with the Davis Cup schedule and format as two of his primary reasons. His brother Patrick took over the job. Then in 2002, McEnroe played himself in Mr. Deeds, and again in 2008 in You Don't Mess With Zohan. McEnroe played himself in the 2004 movie Wimbledon. July of 2004, he began a CNBC talk show called Titled McEnroe. The show, however, was unsuccessful, twice earning a 0.0 Nelson rating and was canceled within five months. <coughs> in 2002, he hosted the American game show The Chair on ABC as well as the British version on BBC One. But this venture was also unsuccessful. In 2004, McEnroe said that during much of his career, he had unwittingly taken steroids. He said that he had been administered these drugs without his knowledge, stating, For six years, I was unaware I was being given a form of a steroid of the legal kind they used to give horses until they decided it was too strong even for the horses. <laughs> oh, shit. McEnroe is active in philanthropy and tennis development. For years, he has co-chaired the City Parks Foundation's annual City Parks Tennis Fundraiser. The charitable benefit raises crucial funds for New York City's largest municipal youth tennis programs. He collects American contemporary art and opened a gallery in Manhattan in '93. McEnroe still plays regularly on the ATP Champions Tour. One victory came at the Jean-Luc Lagarde Trophy in Paris in 2010, where he defeated Guy Forget in the final. Playing on the Champions Tour allows him to continue his most iconic rivalries with old adversaries Yvonne Lendl and Bjorn Borg. His last and 26th win, a record for the ATP Champions Tour, was his 2016 win at Stockholm against Thomas Muster. Charity events and world team tennis, he has beaten many top players, including Marty Fish. And Mark In 2007, McEnroe received the Felipe Charter Award, Chartier Award, for his contributions to, both ten- to tennis, both on and off the court. Later that year, he also appeared on the NBC comedy 30 Rock as the host of a game show called Gold Case, in which he uttered his famous line, You cannot be serious when a taping went awry. McEnroe also appeared on the HBO comedy Curb Your Enthusiasm. In 2009, he appeared on 30 Rock again in the episode Gavin Valor, where the title character, a mysterious reclusive businessman played by Steve Martin, invites him to dinner because because he bridges the worlds of art collecting and yelling. In 2010, he founded the John McEnroe Tennis Academy on Randall's Island in New York City. 2012, McEnroe commenting on for ESPN, Heavily criticized Australian tennis player Bernard Tomic for tanking against Andy Roddick at the US Open. However, Tomic was cleared of any wrongdoing, saying that he was simply overwhelmed by the occasion. This was the first time he had played at Arthur Ashe Stadium. McEnroe was part of Milos Rakonic's coaching team from May to August 2016. In addition to his other commentary roles, McEnroe was a central figure for Australian television network Nine's coverage of the 2019–2020 Australian Open. And then. McEnroe returned to the ATP Tour in 2006 to play two doubles tournaments. In his first tournament, he teamed with Jonas Borkum to win the title at the ASB Open in San Jose. This was McEnroe's 78th doubles title, number five in the history, and his first title since capturing the Paris Indoor Doubles title in November of 92 with his brother Patrick. The win meant that McEnroe had won doubles titles in four different decades. In his second tournament, McEnroe and Bjork Borkman lost in the quarterfinals of the tournament in Stockholm. McEnroe won the over-45 Legends doubles competition at the French Open in 2012. He was partnered with his brother Patrick. They beat Guy Forget and Henry Le Conte, 7-6-6-3. McEnroe and his brother Patrick won again in the 2014 French Open in the over-45 Legends doubles competition. They beat Andres Gomez and Mark Woodford, 4-6, 7-5, 1-0, 10-7. McEnroe was married to Academy Award winner Tatum O'Neal, the daughter of actor Ryan O'Neal, from 86 to 94. They had three children, Kevin, Sean, and Emily. After the divorce, they were awarded joint custody for the children. But in 98, McEnroe was awarded sole custody due to O'Neal's addiction to heroin. 1997, McEnroe married rock singer Patti Smythe, with whom he has two daughters, Anna and Ava. They live on Manhattan, Manhattan's Upper West Side. And there you have it, friends. The legacy is, is that McEnroe's achievements have led to many considering him amongst the greatest tennis players in the history. And then it goes on for pop culture. You can look at his television and film appearances and the many other references to John McEnroe. There you have it, folks. John McEnroe, The Legacy of Queens, Episode 40, comes to a conclusion tonight. We look at one of the best tennis players, practically, of the late 70s, early 80s. And at the age of 63, John McEnroe is still going strong. And he's doing a lot and still staying very active. And that's a look at John McEnroe tonight. Next week on the program, we're going to be looking at the man who made... One Day at a Time, such a great show on his nine years. And, of course, his father was also an actor, too. But he did a lot more than One Day at a Time. We'll look at Pat Harrington Jr. next time on The Legacy of Queens. I'm Jason DeCanio, hoping that you've had a great time with us here tonight. We will see you next week. And remember, be honest, be real, and keep it simple, stupid, yes! See you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>